The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, Sandra McCullum, the daughter of Joyce Meyer, shares how she personally struggled with viewing God as a hard taskmaster waiting to punish her. I had serious health problems from, from this and all kinds of stuff. But then at the end of 2011, right after Christmas, one day, I remember, I said, I can't do this anymore, God. I said, I cannot live Christian life. I, I just need serious help. That's what I told him. And that's exactly what he was waiting to hear. Next. We appreciate your gracious and we welcome you. I'm James Robinson and Betty and I are thrilled to have a, a, a daughter of a very good friend who's been on the television uh, many times. You see us uh, together, uh, a little, uh, just a kind of a little struggling television ministry, Joyce Meyer. <laughs> and uh, we're usually the before or right after in many, many places. And her daughter, Sandra McCollum, is here. And I want to tell you something. I'm really excited about you hearing what, what she's got to share uh, because uh, she's going to talk about a journey, but look at the look at the title. I tried until I almost died. Anxiety, frustration to rest and relaxation. But what is it she's trying to do until she gets to a point that she, you know, is exasperated or frustrated till she nearly dies? Would you like to hear it? You know, Mother's Day is this weekend, and I thought you might uh, think it's wonderful to have the daughter of a very well-known mother, which is not always easy to be the daughter of a well-known mother <laughs> or father, but uh, I think it's a great story. Would you welcome Sandra McCollum to Life for Life? Sandra, it's an honor. It's a privilege to have you. Thank you. Your, your mom has been here a lot, and she always blesses us, and we love Dave, and, and your mother, we love him and appreciate him, and I say to the whole world that I think that Joyce is a gift and a treasure for the whole church and the whole earth, and Dave, I know, Joyce knows, and you know, you are an incredible head, overseer, a wonderful lead and encourager. And I don't think I've ever seen a man that wanted to be more supportive of his wife than I've watched you be. And I love you. It's an honor to have your daughter. What in the world are you talking about? Trying. <laughs> I mean, you are a Bible teacher's daughter. <laughs> Why are you trying till you die? I mean, I mean, come on, Joyce. Hey, come on, talk about this. What, what's going on, Sandra? I was trying to live the Christian life the way that I thought it was supposed to be lived, and I was trying to please God uh, because I thought that He was only pleased with me when I was good, being good, and, uh, and so you had to I was find good, right? Exactly. The way you saw it and thought he saw it. Exactly. I had misconceptions. Really, what was at the base of everything was I had misconceptions about God mm -hmm. and just the way that I felt that he felt about me. And so I saw him as a just a hard taskmaster mm -hmm. standing over me, just waiting and watching to see when I made my next mistake. And so I lived my Christian life in fear because of that. Did you think you were making a lot of mistakes from his point of view, you felt like you were failing? I did. I was never loving enough. I was never enough, and I was constantly measuring myself. So <laughs> I was I always I can understand it fully because I, yes. I grew up with all of that. How, yes. how did you describe it? What words did you use about oh, your performance or what? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to please, 
you know, please the church, please people, please my family, anyone, right. anyone I was in contact with. And I wanted to do everything just like I thought I should do it. Yes. And if I got out of line, God was going to get me. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> so fear mm -hmm. stepped right in. Right. That, oh, so much fear in my mm -hmm. life. Now that I have let God's love in, that, like 1 John 4, 18 says, when his love comes in, fear goes out. And it's so awesome. But I, So what this did is I just lived, I mean, literally from the time I became a Christian at the age of eight until the age of 42, my fir the first 34 years of my Christian life, I lived in anxiety and frustration, trying, trying, trying to get it right. And not just my spiritual life, but even in just my everyday life, I lived by a list and I lived um, by running on my treadmill of accomplishment. That's what I call it. And so, I mean, I had this unrealistic list that I would make every day of what I thought I should get done. And then, but I would hardly ever get it done because it was so ridiculous to begin with. But if you uh, even did get some of it done, did it even give you a sense of release no, or not? Only if still I got everything done. And even then I would allow myself off the treadmill for just a few minutes. But then on. my mind would say, get back on, start running because you can't lose momentum because that's where all my worth and value came from. Mm. See? And so that was just driving everything. It sounds like misery listening to you talk about it. Not <laughs> really does. It sounds like a miserable situation. It, it also sounds like you've got such a warped impression of God. To, I, I really try to tell people, if you if you interpret the fear of God, that's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and if you see it as being scared of God or afraid of God, you don't understand the fear of God. I don't, see, if, see if you bear witness with this, Sandra. What I, I was able to tell our little grandchildren when they were toddlers, and we had we had a pool. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't now, but back then when our children were growing up, and then our grandchildren coming along, yes. we had one. And I always tell them, don't ever go out there by the pool without Mimi or Papa, yeah. because you need to be with us. And you know what? They would come and get our hand, even when they were just little. And if they wanted to go out, they'd walk around. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, that's what the fear of the Lord is. You don't ever want to be out of his shelter and his shadow. Oh, that's, that's the fear right. of the Lord. Does that make sense? That and if you just good. know, I don't want to go anywhere without him. But it's not like he's going to push you in the pool. Exactly. They went out there by the pool. Let's push them in the pool. I told you don't go out there. Right. That's a tactic. Is that kind of yes. the feeling you had? Yes. It says, I'm going to get you there. Not only me, now that it was just, it's been released and I'm starting to get some feedback, a lot of Christians live, live this way. Oh, I feel, but now that God has freed me and is continuing to free me, it's a process. Now that he's doing that, I have such a burden to help others enter into that mm -hmm. place of rest. That's what I believe he's wanting me to do is just help others see it is 100% possible. I think most Christians Christ are living there. Yes. Professing Christians are living where mm -hmm. you, you were. Right. I th you think that, Betty? Because mm -hmm. oh, you certainly did. Yeah, and you were, you were the original church lady <laughs> right. and you were still miserable. You did <laughs> yeah. everything so right. Yeah, right. And, and never met, got up to the standard that exactly. I thought was enough. Yes, exactly. And so I went like this for years, like I said, 34 years. And then at the end of 2011, I mean, I had, I had serious health problems from this and all kinds of stuff. But then at the end of 2011, right after Christmas, one day, I remember, I said, I can't do this anymore, God. I said, I cannot live the Christian life. I, I just need serious help. That's what I told him. And that's exactly what he was waiting to hear. He needed me to come to the end of myself, of my trying and see. See, what I was doing was I was living my life by my own self-efforts. And I, I began to understand what I was doing later that year when I read Joseph Prince's book, Unmerited Favor. That has been such a blessing in my life and his teaching and, sure. and books too. God has used that. And 
and it really has helped me see, oh my goodness, I was putting all my faith in my own self efforts mm -hmm. and not my faith in God. I wasn't trusting him, I was trusting me, myself and I. Mm -hmm. And so after that happened, the end of 2011, the next week I was in my devotional time and God, I, I was just praying and you know, I was, it was right, it was January 2nd, so it was New Year, wasn't a big proponent of New Year's resolutions, but I was actually asking God, is there anything more you want me to accomplish this year? Mm. Can you imagine that? I mean, <laughs> I had already, I was already living to, you know, the extent we know, we understand, that it was a ridiculous question to ask, but still I wanted to do it all right, so I was asking that. And that morning, the love of God swept into the room like a tidal wave. God changed me that day by showing me that I'm okay. Mm. I remember going around my house after that and just saying, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. He likes I'm, me too. Yes. <laughs> now, and and it, it's, it's for me. He likes me. Yeah. He loves me Thanks. because I'm his daughter, not for what I do. See, what I was doing was I was living my life backwards before. I was trying to do all these things to get him to love me, but now I've learned that when I live in his love, oh, and I do every day, mm -hmm. I just daydream about his love for me. I'm not ever gonna get off of it, you mm -hmm. know? I've heard people sometimes say, you know, yeah, you know, now we know God loves, loves us, let's go on to the next thing. Oh, no. <laughs> that that is the holy oxygen. Yes. Is the awareness of it his is. presence and you take it in. Yes. You're living mm -hmm. in his presence. And, so and you live amazed when you realize is, you're living in his presence. Great. And everything is amazing. It is. Oh, and so now, what that's caused me to do is, now I want to do all these things for him, but it's out of my love for him mm -hmm. instead of uh, my just you know, duty, just mm -hmm. thinking, oh, well, he's going to be mad at me if I <laughs> don't do these things. And so then he just began to set me on a journey of, to understand the riches of his grace. And like I said, I didn't even understand what was happening at first, but after that day on January 2nd, I began to live in a peace I mean, before this, I'm telling you, my husband did not know what to expect when he came in the door each night. <laughs> I was just up and down all this the time. This is the prior, before, before yes, the refreshing. before okay. I came to the end of myself. And he actually could see this? Mm -hmm. Did he ever tell you he could see it? And he, he did. Was He's a slightly real annoyed about it a little bit, or at least he noticed it and he cared about it? Right, he did, no. and, and thank God for his grace and mercy, even sure. when we're not doing everything right. But you didn't need anybody often. making you he, feel bad. You had it, right. you had it on your own. <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't need any help going <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And my husband was really patient and loving, mm -hmm. but he did it on a few occasions over 20 years, a few occasions over 20 years, because he's a real peace-loving person, not confrontational. He would come to me and say, you know, you're, you're not living in peace. I mean, you're frustrated all the time. And I could not take anybody correcting me because I already felt so bad about myself. So I would be like, well, you just don't see how peaceful I am. You don't, you, oh, yeah. you don't see what I do right, yeah, you know. Yeah. You only see what I do wrong. And so, but of course he didn't see it because it wasn't real. <laughs> and so, but after God began to do this work in my life, oh, I was able to set my family free. <laughs> and uh, because I had them well, you buried. you had a load on them. I did. And you, that's the last mm -hmm. thing you wanted. Right, exactly. I mean, I was burying them under rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. So I was able to set them free. And then, like Can I said. Can they see the difference? Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, my husband is the one that actually suggested that I write a book. Mm. And about halfway through of 2012, he just kept seeing 
This is real. Like, she is living in this peace, yeah. like peace that passes Who all is understanding. This? Who is this? Yes. <laughs> and he is the one that said, you know, you should write a book. And so then, you know, I prayed about it, and the Lord did speak, speak to me and say, write a book and have it ready. And the, I just thought, well, maybe I'll just be writing this book to leave to my kids. You know, I didn't know. All I knew was I thought, I should get this story down while it's fresh in my mind. And so uh, it was neat. Even the writing of the book, I mean, I'd never written before. Sure. And I remember I wrote the first chapter of that book. My family was gone out doing something, and they came home. I have twin girls, 12 years old, and they came home, and I mean, when I started writing, it was just like, I couldn't stop. I mean, it was just the Holy Spirit, you know. And they came home, and I just read that first chapter of them with tears streaming down my face, and we all said, how did that happen? So see, I began to see what living under the grace of God right. does for a person, because I got out from under my own self-efforts, and I began to put my trust in him. And because of that, he just began to do one miracle after another after another. You can still find me with my jaw dropped to the floor any day of the what week. What were the girls just, doing when you were doing oh, this? Could they see something going on? They did. I mean, you know, they knew what I was like. And it's not like I was a terribly mean mother or anything, but I was very regimented, very regimented. And I just, I wanted, and I talk about it in my book, I just had them under so many rules because I wanted to impress people, you know? And so and now be I've been, yes, I've been able to set them free and we God's in fact I dedicated the book to them and my husband and just said thank you for loving me and forgiving don't me don't you like what you hear do you like what you hear I love it. I love it. do you think you will speak to the places if people wanted you to you I think, think eventually writing will be it I think eventually I, I had it on my heart to receive you know to take interviews that I get asked to do and so you know I'm going to do that and I do believe that eventually it will be in my future I'm just waiting for God to give me the green light on that and uh, I, we believe we'll know it's been so neat because with this book mm -hmm. thing and everything that's come after it it's just been like God's just let us and when I say us my husband mm -hmm. and I every step of the way okay it's time for this now Okay, it's time for this now. It's just been so peaceful, you know, and, and there's been hard work involved. Mm -hmm. And so I know, you know, when, when we talk about grace, we say grace makes things easy, and it does, and I even talk about that in my book. But it doesn't mean we don't work. It just means, and I like the way Judah Smith put it recently. We listen to him sometimes. He said, the work behind the work is done. Jesus did the work behind the work. We, we work to do things. I had to work to write this book. But I was able to do it from a place of rest, mm -hmm. see, because Jesus didn't, he finished the work and now we can enter into that place of living in rest and peace because of what Jesus did for us. Really, if you ask me what my favorite thing is about this whole thing, Jesus helped me take my eyes off of myself and place them on him. God helped me take my eyes off of myself and place them on Jesus. And now I live for him. I'm not living for myself. And I'm just, oh, I cannot be any happier than <laughs> yeah. that happened. And don't you think that's what people that are hurting so bad and keeping yeah. all this fear and yeah. anxiety or whatever's going on in their lives yeah. in silence because they don't think there's a way out. Yeah. But when they hear and see living testimony, right. that's what they're hungry for, yes. to see that it works, that God works yes. in our lives if, if we allow him. Too. Yes, he now, is. Let me speak to you as just a, as a father, grandfather figure. <laughs> you are a beautiful person, mm, and you. and you communicate your eyes, your countenance, mm. and you just need to hear it. The glory of God is on you, Sandra. Mm. It really is. And I know, so you're writing, <clears throat> and I see you communicate in this very relaxed mode right here. Mm. See, I've watched your mother 
where she is, and it's just an amazing anointing. Something happens with you sitting right here. So it's almost like talking with a blog sense. And there may be ways now, you know, like I've, I've told you about us launching the stream. I was sitting here thinking, I wish you would, you know how I'm praying for the church to be the yeah. witness and the, the nation to be healed. Yes. You think in your situation, what if I could say something to, to women and to church people that might help them know how to identify with the heart of God yeah. toward the church and the nation? Think yeah. about sending us something like that. Okay. Would you pray about Absolutely. that really? Because I want the yes. whole church to be whole. Yes. And I know you long for that. But I also want you to know you have an incredible ability right here. So I don't know where that fits. And maybe sometime mom needs a day off. Mm-hmm. And you say, <laughs> you know, I just want to, mom, just, let me sit there like I did with James and let me just kind of talk. And I'm being serious mm-hmm. with you. I'm, I'm not playing up something. Mm-hmm. You have a special divine enabling. You, uh, the anointing of God is not passing out on the floor, okay? The mm-hmm. anointing of God is divine enabling. He can knock you flat. But the anointing is divine enabling. You obviously have already seen you've got it miraculously to write. I'm sitting here telling you, you have an unusual touch and a glory on you while we were talking. It's captivating. So what does God want to do with that? We want to ask him. You know, we're going to, we're going to show all of our viewers something that they wait to see. We're going to show them a need that God can meet through them. You said something to me a while ago that really touched my heart. Would you mind telling our viewers what happened to you when you were watching what our viewers watched? Yes, I watched a program with you, and Joseph Prince happened to be on that program, and then... At the end, or second half of it, you showed a testimony of, or you showed a, a village who, where they were drinking, you know, dirty, they didn't have anything else besides the dirty contaminated water, water, contaminated water. And oh, I mean, I was just a mess. I mean, I was just a mess. And we, it was just been a desire of my heart to take our backyard and make it into a haven of just flowers. And I wanted to have a gazebo back there. And we already had lots of money, or a decent amount of the money set aside, and including for the gazebo. And when I watched that program, I just really felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, give the gazebo money and do a well, do an entire well. And I was so, I was just like, I'm so thankful. And anytime I call my husband about any of that, Absolutely. If he believes, he knows that, I mean, not that I follow the leading of the Spirit perfectly. Believe me, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But I, he knows that when I say something like that, that I have, I'm not just, you know, saying, I mean, I, I've heard that. I've felt like the Lord's leading me to do that. And he said, yes, do it. And then it was neat because we got our whole family involved and talked to him about it. We got a packet from you showing about the wells and the pictures. And so we got to look through all that. It was awesome. Well, let me just tell you, and I, I wanted her to say that because a lot of times you wonder if, if people see that and are moved like you are and do they respond wonderfully. This is the way we should all respond to God. That's what she found out in this incredible freedom. She quit trying till she wanted to die and she began to live. And then all of a sudden you're being directed by God and is you found that joyful. You, you told us what God moved on you and then you're telling about your family and how everybody yes. got excited. When we start getting in line with the will of God and let him, he just carries us. I want to show you something. Now listen, I want you to ask God, what can I do in light of what I'm about to see? because you're the answer to a heart cry and a prayer. Watch. No parent should outlive their children. Behind Uruka's eyes, a sadness has weathered into stoic acceptance that her children are gone from this world, taken too soon because of the lack of food. 
It was on a journey to Uganda in search of a better life when the tragedy struck. For many, a mother's love could have ended with the death of their children. What more could someone give who has lost so much? But today, these children all look to Daruka for care and guidance. Though not hers by birth, she has taken them under her wing out of love. But with a new family comes old problems. For Daruka, the scenario is all too familiar. Without a proper food supply, these children are more vulnerable to disease, and their survival will continue to hang in the balance. There's a mother that has lost her children, and now she's taking others and wanting to help them. What, what is, what is your uh, heart? And story? the thing that got me there at the close is she said, I want help so that I can continue helping. That's what I thought she was saying, because she took, she's taking those children in because they have no one else. But she's come to the end of the rope, so to speak, as far as the food they need. She knows that without the food, these children are likely to die. And she's one example of the many needs right around in their area of, of, of children and women and everyone that's without the food. We have the answer. We can feel that need. We can give them that hope that they're looking for. Let's reach out and do that together. Will you join with us? You know, I, I guess when I look at the situation, Betty, then I think, well, I'm, you know, just like you just said, let's, let's do what she's asking. And I, I find myself thinking, Lord, if they, don't, if they don't hear what I'm saying or what Betty's saying, but really, Lord, if they don't hear what you're saying, if they, if they can't hear you speaking to their heart, and then no one's going to reach out. So it, it really comes back to God. I mean, I can try to say the right things, and that precious woman said the right things, but if you don't move God on the hearts so the people respond, then we're, we're just talking. And uh, I, I don't want it to be that way. I, I want to uh, somehow be able to express to you that this is the will of God to help. Just like that, that mother, having lost everything, is now reaching out to others who've lost everything themselves. And all they're asking us to do, because believe me, the missionaries are right there in the very pit of hell and pain and suffering. And all the missionaries are saying is, would you not leave us empty handed so that they don't have, they have empty stomachs and they're sick. And we want to help them and show them there's a future. We just need to give them a life. And they're not asking for a lot. They're not asking for entertainment. They just want to live. And you may not believe it, but they can live happy. I've seen those kids with so little have so much fun. 
if they just feel good, if they can just feel good, a kid will find a way. That woman in pain is finding a way to express love. Would you do it? Would you go to lifetoday.org? Go and get your iPad or go online, however you do it, or go to the telephone and dial the number and just say, I wanna, I wanna feed them. I wanna help that mother. We've got 425,000 right now located. 25,000 right where she was. That's in an area of South Sudan where all hell has just broken out in a terrible way. That's why they lost so much. That's why she was saying, look what's happened here, but I wanna take care of them and I will. Would you please, if it's medicine or food, and we not only take food, we take in the medicine because the missionaries know what they need. Would you right now go online or dial that number, take your bank card and help us, 30, 50 or $100, we can feed three, five or 10 children for the next months. I would ask you if you could give 100 or even 1,000 to feed 100 children because that's what 1,000 will do. 100 will feed 10, 55 and 33. We have some gifts to send you but you're giving life to those precious ones. Please do it right now. Would you do it? Thank you so much. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. This month, 400,000 children are depending on us for survival. And now in South Sudan, the suffering has intensified and our feeding efforts are desperately needed by an additional 25,000 children. Our mission teams are in place, but your support is critically needed to replenish and distribute food supplies immediately. When you call or go online today and make a life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100, you will provide urgently needed food to three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. As our way of saying thank you, we'll send you Heirs to the Kingdom, four powerful messages on audio CD or USB flash drive. You'll also receive the award-winning book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed 10 children, please request The Story, a running narrative Bible to help you engage with God's Word more easily. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed 100 children, you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Thank you so much for your help. Fearfully and wonderfully made this body, and you see how God made it? That's how he wants his party to function. I tried until I almost died. If you want this, we'll send it to you. It's online. Once you get copies for your friend, you can go to the bookstores and get it. I'll be honest, I hope it sells more than Joyce's books, okay? <laughs> Not because I don't want Joyce to sell fewer. I just want this, what this young lady has experienced in Christ, I want it to get around the world. And I just praise God for your friendship. Would you join me in bed and saying thanks to God and thanks to Sandra for sharing. Thank you. Bless you, Sandra. You blessed Thank us. You Dave and Joyce, we love you. Thank you for holding up the Lord, magnifying Him in His Word. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for your help.
If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come be a part of the Life Today studio audience. Call or email today to reserve your tickets. You'll be inspired and entertained. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.